Welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions. This is episode 117, and I am Catherine Bird. I'm here with Michelle Hawk, and today we are going to talk for a minute about compassion fatigue. And if you don't know what that is, it sounds exactly like what, <laughs> what the name of it is, in that those of us who are in helping roles, healing roles, those that are really supporting others, um, especially over the last couple of years, it's been kind of challenging. There's been a lot coming up. People have been sad, grieving, lonely, scared, exhausted. And uh, it is possible for the most compassionate person to start to feel less compassion for others. And this is a thing, <laughs> right? Like this is a real thing. And we just want to talk about it for a moment because it's, it's very important for us to realize that being a helper, a healer, a practitioner, a empath, a sensitive person um, can be such a blessing. And it's an honor to be able to help and support other people and to feel empathy and compassion and understanding for people. And it also, we also can reach a point where we've become exhausted in our ability to to feel for others all the time. Michelle, have you ever felt this way? Yes, I have. And, and I think it's, um, it's a little confusing when it does happen, right? Because it's like, it's not that all of a sudden I don't care about animals and people and suffering. And, you know, I say this as my dog is coming to climb in my lap and tell me that she's ready to go do something else. Um, I care a lot about your feelings, Athena. And, you know, it, and it's almost this like, well, is there something wrong with me for, you know, just not being able to be present in, in this moment in the way that, you know, that I know I am capable of incredible empathy and I do care very, very deeply. And, and I've noticed the times when I'm feeling that are really when, um, honestly, when I'm very burned out and, and also I feel like, you know, there's compassion fatigue, but there's also this almost element of desensitization that we experience where, you know, as our, as we are continually under barrage with, um, you know, I think part of this is the prevalence of social media really like making all information more accessible and in your face and like news accessible and in your face. And also a lot of what people share it just in general tends to be on one end of the spectrum or the other, right? It's either on like, my life is great and everything's going amazing, or it's like this horrible thing happened, right? And there's not necessarily so much in between. And this is just in terms of like what people in general are sharing or what gets, what, what gets, gets promoted. Yeah. Right. What gets promoted? What, um, you know, what jumps to the top of the feed, what stories get told, what is sensationalized? Because of course it's very obvious to look at the news and say, oh, of course disaster sells. So that's what is promoted. But I think, um, you know, there ends up being this kind of cumulative system overload where it's almost this protection mechanism of, you know, you're asking me to be upset and, and sad and, you know, outraged about all of these justifiably 
challenging things. And at a certain point, it's like, it's not, it's like you're, you wore out the button, right? You're not triggering the same response anymore because our, our inner chemical response has already been overloaded so many times where we're no longer having that stimulation in the same way. And so then of course the stories get bigger and bigger and more sensational, et cetera. And we ourselves withdraw more and more as a protection mechanism and as a like desensitization mechanism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, um, for a lot of people, you know, and I don't really watch the news, like largely for that reason is I'm not interested in having like the, the desensitizing factors. And I get what information I need from, you know, from other sources, but I'm not like watching people talk about it and watching the continuous reel of, you know, highlight reel of shitstorm that's going on. Um, but it feels like more than ever, the sensation that I have anyway, is like, I'm having to be my own parent in a certain way of like, I wouldn't let my kid watch that. And so it's like, okay, Michelle, do you need a break? Like, is your system overloaded? Do you need to like, go, you know, go check out and when I say that, I, I actually do mean that, like not it, I almost feel like the, the remedy isn't necessarily dropping in more deeply into my feeling. It's actually stepping completely away and allowing my system to recalibrate in a space of floatiness rather than attuning in more deeply. Mm-hmm. And, and of course I say that, you know, again, there's like different, uh, and that's more of a daily thing. Of course, there are times to tune in more deeply and to, you know, visit that wall of compassion, which is very appropriate, but, um, it's, I think also just noticing that it is a thing does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Cause and it, it can show up as different kinds of like symptoms too, mm-hmm. right. It can show up as feeling that numbness or, exhaustion, feeling shut down, feeling like unable to be present with, you know, one more person's, you know, the, you know, emotional upset or, um, needing, needing more quietness, more space, more alone time, uh, hearing about something and not, you know, feeling like you're not having the reaction, maybe that you feel that you should, or someone else is shaming you for not being more upset about something. Um, These can all be signs that, you know, you've just overdone and it's okay to be overdone sometimes and to take a step back and to feed yourself and to nurture yourself and to nurture the parts of you that are joyful and able to feel connected to what brings you peace and joy and happiness. The world and all of its problems are still going to be there when you come back to them and you're still going to be able to be of great service and all of these things, but it can, it can mean, and sometimes having conversations with people that are challenging. um, And sometimes it's almost impossible because a lot of people are caregivers for parents or an ill relative or, you know, a lot of children or whatever it is, being a caretaker and a caregiver um, can create this as well, where it's, you don't feel the same um, ability to care for as many things in the world. And maybe someone's like, well, why aren't you caring about the environment? And you're like, I can only care about the people in my immediate vicinity that are needing me all the time. Um, And so this can happen with people who are caregivers, especially because you only have so much that you can give. 
and, uh, and you can exhaust that. And so then also, if you're looking at the big picture of things, if you're looking at an unfathomable reality, when we look at things in the environment or with animals or with uh, humanitarian crises. And when we look at that and it becomes so big that we conceptually cannot even understand what that means. Like you hear a number and you can't fathom that number. Um, it, it shuts us down and it's a protective mechanism. It's trying to protect us so that we can keep going and keep living and doing, or else we would completely break down and not be able to manage much. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's one of a, you know, for looking at, well, how to, how to deal with compassion fatigue, but also like to maintain some semblance of agency and, um, and empowerment, right. Is like really looking at what is your immediate sphere of influence, and if you are in that feeling of, of powerless, like, and I've been in exactly the position that you're talking about, Kat, it's like, well, of course I care about the environment. Like I care deeply and I, you know, am, am, would love to in some way contribute meaningfully to climate, you know, reversing climate change or whatever I can do. And I think about the polar bears a lot and like, I get really sad, right? But it's like, again, what is my immediate sphere of influence in relation to climate change? Okay. My immediate sphere of influence is, um, is around like being mindful of the resources that I use and, you know, electricity and driving my car less and, um, consuming less plastic or, um, you know, non-renewable materials, etc. And if, and I think that's sort of the way that I have found to combat that because otherwise if I'm in the, well, I can't do anything place that just feels really bleak as well. And, you know, we, we get compassion fatigue because we care. That's the thing is because we mm -hmm. care deeply, we care so much. So I think giving yourself accessible ways that you can care and that you can contribute to whatever cause you're feeling lit up about in whatever way you can. Again, I, I label myself a micro revolutionary, right? So I look at like, well, what is my field of influence and how can I use my efforts within my field of influence, no matter what that is for the purpose of whatever revolution or, or transformation I'm wanting to create. And, you know, we have this podcast, which is a platform and this, this message reaches, I don't know how many people but it does, right? So that is a, an aspect of the sphere of influence. Um, my immediate, like close followers and people, you know, people on my email list, right? So as there is message or information, that's one way. Also immediate sphere of influence in terms of like community, people I see every day at the dog park, um, like picking up my, I don't know, picking up other people's dog poop, right? Like whatever it is, it's, it's all an aspect of how can I care in a way that, is accessible that is allowing me to have an avenue for my compassion and my devotion that that I can see and I can interact with is way more empowering than sort of this nebulous I care but I don't have a way to interface with that and that's where I think people get really exhausted mm -hmm. yeah and of course you know self-care space time quietness nature nap <laughs> and food 
like basics, come back to your basics and give yourself permission to have compassion for yourself. Beautiful. And I would also say that if this feels like something you're struggling with to, um, to look at, you know, who do you connect as like a compassion deity? And so you can see Kuan Yin is, um, often, you know, a representation of compassion and, um, and we can see this in other deities and, you know, do you have one that you connect to that you feel is there holding that, that compassion and to go into your own compassion, to go into your own understanding of compassion. And I think, especially looking at, um, looking at Buddhism and, and writings about compassion and just understanding it at a new level and giving yourself permission to, to feel what, what it feels like to explore what compassion means to you, what it, what it is in the world, um, what compassion and action is. And I think that that's what you're talking about. It's like, if you don't have it, if it's not actionable, if you're not taking action on it, then you're, you can feel really disempowered. Mm -hmm. So it has to be something that you can take action on. And then what does that look like? And, you know, what, what does compassion awaken in you in relationship to the entirety of the world and the suffering of all beings and the consideration of the suffering of all beings and the consideration of, of holding that stream of compassion in more of an integrous way, I think inside, like more rooted into yourself way um, to help it be a more healthy expression. It sounds, I mean, it sounds to me like you're talking about embodied compassion versus like theoretical compassion, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what I hear <laughs> in what you're saying, right? You know, cause we can like think about compassion all day long, but until we're actually like feeling it and sharing it and acting upon it, then it's like any other concept. Like we can think about, you know, quant do you ever hear the, um, the analogy of like, uh, ask a, you know, like you ask a, a room full of like physics students, how to calculate where a ball will land given like a certain amount of, um, pressure and, um, and lift and atmospheric pressure, whatever. And they have a half an hour to calculate it. Right. And it's like to calculate exactly where, and so they're calculating and they come up with, you know, some best guesses or whatever. And then the teacher just throws a ball to, to a kid and the kid catches it. Right. Oh, he did that in a split second right? It's like physics in action versus physics in theory. So compassion in action versus compassion in theory, you know, it feels really good to me when, um, like an, an example of this was just a couple of days ago, I was having just sort of a like disappointed in humanity day, uh, I'll say as I do every now and then. And, um, one of the volunteers, the, like the main volunteer guy from the dog park texted me a picture of a dog and he said, do you recognize this dog? Someone found him at the park and gave him to me. And I'm trying to figure out who he is. And I said, oh, of course I recognize him. It's this dog. And, um, and they were able to like very quickly triangulate with the person and return the dog. And that turned my whole day around, right? I like being able to, again, it took probably 30 seconds for me just because I'm friendly and I talk to people and I love dogs and I remember every dog's name ever um, be, to be able to be compassionate in action to help this dog reunite with its person helped me feel 
probably 80% better about humanity in general, even though nothing about any other circumstance had changed at all. But it was again, like taking action on something out of compassion versus thinking, I wish people would be less shitty in their behavior. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's really easy to look at the world and see everything that's wrong and to feel really angry, resentful and, uh, powerless. Yeah. And so it's important for us to look at how we are, we are empowering ourselves and compassion is a beautiful way to empower ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it is such an inspirational force. Um, and also if sometimes it can be coming from like um, a people-pleasing, codependent, like needing to always be the person that everybody's going to uh, or not uh, being willing to ask for help and support. So really tune in if you're feeling any of these things, if you're feeling a lot of frustration at at other people in the world um, to ask Uh, if you are asking for support. And I know that as a practitioner, you know, as someone who is at a certain level that if I start feeling those things, I will, I will often not ask for support. Like I have to remind myself that it's okay. And that there are people who can support me and that I can ask for help and to actively do that so that I can get to a different place. Beautiful. That's really important. Awesome. Um, Anything else we want to leave people with or we feel? That's it. If you want more, more, there's more out there all over the place, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, all those things, Spotify. And you can also find us on our websites. I'm at katherinebird.com. I'm at joyofenergy.com. Yeah. Please like subscribe, check in with us. If you're interested in courses or mentorship or, um, actionable steps in compassion. We have very, um, you know, our, our work is all about that. Yeah. A lot of ways to work with us. All right. So have a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye.